Wake up, Lincoln. Come on, it's 6 o'clock. Rise and shine. Rise and shine. It's time for Early Break with Sip and Jake. Brought to you by Gaina Trucking. Live from the Copple Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. Here's 93.7 at tickets, Jake Sorensen. Did seem kind of meh. And Steve Sipple. Surprisingly good. This is Early Break with Sip and Jake. Sponsored by Gaina Trucking. Welcome back to Hour 2 on a Wednesday. Steve Sipple, Jake Sorensen, early break, fun show so far. Check out the podcast at theticketfm.com. You can always call or text 402-464-5685. Watch and comment on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. The show is sponsored by Gaina Trucking. I have been, uh, my heart is warm, Sip, to see all the people on the text line that are saying good call on news radio, Jake. For the show, your heart is warm. Yeah, I, yeah because I, I, I'm glad that people appreciate what I appreciate as a kid watching that. My dad watched it, and so I watched it. This show is hilarious. The show's awesome, and I, I sometimes, when I have free time, even now, I'll go back on YouTube and watch clips of news radio. <laughs> that was a great show. Uh, so thank you. Is, thank I you. like that your heart is. Warm. My heart is warm from people who feel the same way as me about that great mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. But. What else you got on your mind? We covered the wings uh, thing today, which was... Yeah, we did. We already had we had a very, very long, idle chit-chat about wings, sponsored by Newton's Lawn Care, of course. And, uh, yeah, you, you were telling me how you went to Wings or Rings last night and had five wings again because you were trying to order bone-in because you could have, apparently, second and third meals out of those Round by two. gnawing on the bones. Round two. Whereas if you have boneless, which is what you got, which you said was delicious. But One round. You, there's no gnawing on no. anything. When it's over, it's over. And it's over fast. But they're excellent. They're excellent. But, I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it hit me. There's a revelation of why you get bone in. Because without bone in, without bone in, you don't get round two. I, boneless, I I, it's One round. That's it. There's my first drink of coffee of the day. Way to go. Uh, but yeah, other people say Aerosmith. Could they fill a stadium yes, for a couple days? Yes, good one. Tom Petty. Good and good. Could Petty do a full stadium for a couple days? In, his, in the height of his success. What about REO? At the Speed height. Yeah, at the height. Elvis probably could, huh? Elvis. Elvis, we, Elvis Presley could fill it for a, for a couple days, I think, yeah. for sure. Oh, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Seven, that was 70s, Elvis. 70s. Yeah. Yeah, Elvis would do that for a few days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Garth Brooks. Well, we've. Been I don't know him. for a couple. I mean, can he do it two, three days in a row? Mm-hmm. St- you know, arenas, yeah, not a stadium though. <clears throat> All right, four six four five six eight five. Call or text as always. I want to you know get back into the coaching search for Nebraska football, and I want to I want to pause quickly with Mickey Joseph sip because I was. Looking, I was thinking about Mickey yesterday, you know, in terms of the search, and, and it sounds like in his comments, like you mentioned earlier, that he has not interviewed for the job yet. He said he said he has not interviewed with Trev Alberts yet for the job. Okay, right? Yeah, he said that. He said he hasn't that hasn't been discussed, and there's no interview set up. He said if if he assumes that if he's going to be a candidate, though, he'll let him know that there's going to be an interview. And you know, we're getting out of the nitty gritty of this here. Yeah. 
So maybe that's not going to happen. But with regarding Mickey Joseph, now Mickey Joseph comes in for Scott Frost in the fourth game of the season. Gets blown up by Oklahoma. Tough situation. Bye week. Wins two straight games against Indiana Rutgers. They have not won a game since the Rutgers game. But go back to the Illinois game. Nebraska leads 9-6 to six when his starting quarterback gets hurt in that ball game, and the rest is history. The rest of the season has gone crappy because Chubba Purdy and Logan Smothers just are not, frankly, good enough to win you football games right now where Casey can. So the question I have is, did, did he get a true fair chance at the long-term job with the circumstances that happened during the season? <sighs> no, he didn't. But the answer is no. Yeah, the answer is no, but it's... in. How could he have gotten a fair shot? Well, if, if Casey stays healthy. Yeah. You know, if you have your starting quarterback. That, but it comes down to that? No, I mean, again, your back's against the wall for the chance the whole time you're here because the team's one and two well, when you get them, when you inherit it. The, the reason I say it's unfair and it's going to be unfair is, is this – is none of this is of his creation. It's not his team. Right. He's just coaching it. He didn't create the mess mess. He didn't create the messes. That he he had nothing to do with them. I mean, he was brought in to coach receivers. Okay. Not brought in to try coach to the team. rescue the program. So that's why I mean it's he it's an it's an inherently unfair situation. I don't blame anybody. I mean, I'm not blaming Trev Alberts um I'm not going to Trev Alberts and saying uh, you put making an unfair situation if you're if if the, if this is his audition this is unfair no it's not it's not unfair it's it is what it is Ooh, I hate saying that but the it's just that's the that's the situation he was in now it, so if he would have went if he was five and two right now if he were five and two right now we'd probably be talking about him as a candidate. But, uh, but a lot of people it. would. A lot of people would because they'd say, "How the hell did yeah. he do this? This is magic. What he's doing, it's right. magic." I would think he would, he has to be the lead candidate at that point. Yeah, probably. If if he yeah. was five and two, right? After inheriting one and two with losses to Northwestern and Georgia mm-hmm. Southern, right? Two of your easier wins be, of the season. Yeah, it'd be a magic act. I would. I, I wouldn't think people would push back and say. No one would say get somebody else. They'd say, yeah, Mickey's the guy. Right. He just worked a miracle there. Mm-hmm. That's that's your dude. Yeah. But that's. But even that is. It's sort of unfair. It's sort of an unfair conversation because that would be like I said. It'd be. It'd be incredible. It'd be remarkable for him just to pull that off. And it's not just him pulling it off. By the way, you know, it's the staff, and um, it would require. Uh, and I don't know. Now, it doesn't look like it's it's happening for Mickey. And I mean, I, there was a point where I thought it would. I'm amazed at the pushback I get on Mickey. Not a lot. Now, you you were pretty supportive of his candidacy. Why? Well, early, yeah, I was because I think that you you saw a coach that that certainly changed the culture. I think somewhat of a culture quickly. I think I, I look, look at a couple moves that he made that I think turned out pretty well for Nebraska. I mean, he fires Eric Schneider, a Frost holdover, and it, Frost, you know, the the defense was terrible 
against Oklahoma. You have a bye week after that. Schnanner's fired. Well, Georgia Southern too. Right, but he fi- he didn't fire him no. after that. He fired him himself after the right, right. Oklahoma game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you it, you you elevate Bill Bush to defensive coordinator. That that's been a good picture. I mean, they had yeah. a rough game against Purdue. That was not the greatest game against 600 plus yards allowed. 607. But besides that, they played pretty well. They they've been Way, way better than they were the first four games of the season, and that is that is hard to even push back on for anybody. Mm-hmm. But it's it's little things, sip like, and this might have been, might have been a Bill Bush decision, but Malcolm Hartsock. We didn't know that name. We didn't even know that name the first four games of the season. I never heard of Malcolm Hartsock, mm-hmm. and, and all of a sudden he comes in against Indiana. You know he help, you know he scores a touchdown on the, on the block punt. He, he plays good defense at cornerback the whole season so far when he's, since he's been in there. They moved Tommy Hill, the receiver. We haven't seen much of that picture, but they made changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole Malcolm Hartsaw thing is a huge circle of great move mm-hmm. by Bush and, and Joseph to make an adjustment there. Yeah, they moved they moved him into the lineup, and he played really well against Michigan. They targeted him five times, no completions. Michigan got no completions, and they went right after him. It's a name we didn't know. We did not know that name in the preseason. So what in the last six games? Nebraska's given up 387.5 yards per game. Okay, now that's with the 608, by the way, not 607, against Purdue. Now, Purdue also, by the way, ran 101 plays in yeah, that game. Yeah, they did. You couldn't get off the field. Right. You could not get off the field on third down. But, but also, what else? Nebraska's offense didn't help them. Well, they scored quick, you know, quick drives. Right. But 387.5, I would say, is acceptable. It's 126 yards fewer than Nebraska allowed in the first four games. That's that's amazing. That's a big that's jump. A, by the way, that's amazing, by the way. Yeah, that's a big amazing. Yeah, Nebraska in the last six games has allowed 26.2 points. That is that would be 68th in the country, which is acceptable. It it had been 29.9, I believe, um, before in the first four games, or maybe more than that. But anyway, they, they've it's been much better. Now, the offense is really is really letting the team down. Well, again, you, you lost your starting quarterback, at least for two and a half games. And it, it, that was a very ugly picture when that happened. Oh, yeah. You didn't have backups. You know, they, they might say they're prepared, but they didn't – they weren't anywhere near the same level of quarterback as Casey Thompson. Right. <laughs> Who do you put that on? It's not – I don't – I mean, I don't put that on Mickey. That's a Whipple discussion more than it's, anything. It's a Whipple discussion. And what do you do with – what does Mickey do with Whipple? You know, I mean, that's – he's had to manage – okay, just be very blunt. He's had to manage Whipple, okay? And I don't think that's easy to do. Now, I don't say that be, like I'm just throwing thoughts into the wind. Whipple's hard to manage. I don't mind saying that. I mean – it, he's a, it, he's in a tough. Also he's stubborn, yeah. And some stubborn. of it is just he's you know, some of it is the nature of the situation. He's sixty five years old. They brought him in to run the offense. Now I would defend Whipple and say, you brought me in to run the offense. <laughs> okay, I'm running the offense the way that's I know. What's my job title? Right, offensive coordinator. Right, I call the place, and I and I will determine the quarterback because it's that's what you brought me in to do. Mickey didn't bring him in. Scott brought him in, okay? So Whipple's not working for the guy that brought him in. So that creates 
natural awkwardness. And, and, and that, again, asks the question, has it been fair for Mickey? That's another one where was he even allowed to make a move on Mark Whipple? As the acting head coach, as the interim head coach, he know. did make one firing of Eric Shenander. Mm-hmm. Was, did he have the ability to fire Mark Whipple or to tell Mark Whipple? I don't know. No. We don't know the inner workings of this and how Trev and, and has worked this with Mickey Joseph and saying what he can or can't do no. with the program. No. So we don't have that, that information for you. No, we don't. But that all, that, again, that all comes down to the fact it just it has not appeared to be fair for Mickey. And, and on, the, on that note, Jay, yeah, we're not, hey, Jay and Lincoln says this. And, and again, I'm not trying to make excuses for Mickey. Yeah, we're not playing violins for Mickey Joseph. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, not playing what, what was me. But, huh. but Jay says this. He says, I keep hearing this argument, and I'm a little bit tired of it. Life isn't fair, and you're going to offer him a deal as a head coach because it wasn't fair? Would you hang your job on that? No. No, no, that's not I'm what not we're suggesting. I'm not asking for sympathy. I, I'm, it's a, it's a real-life discussion about if Mickey Joseph was actually a candidate for this job, was it actually ever fair for him in this nine games that he's going to get of a job interview? Yeah, it, I'm sure people are listening to us right now and they're frustrated because it feels like we're taken up for him and that he didn't get a fair shot um, in this head coaching audition. I'm not – I mean, no, he didn't get a fair shot, but I'm not suggesting – I don't think he was ever going to get a fair shot. He would have had to pull off a miracle, um, a borderline miracle, I'd say, to put himself in position to get the job. You'd have to hire him um, right now – I mean, just with a on a gut yeah, on feeling, a gut, on a gut feel, yeah, like a like a Dino Babbers or sorry, yeah. not sorry, not a uh, uh, Dabo Swinney at yeah. Syracuse. I'm gonna keep it at Clemson. Clemson. I, got, I said Dino and Dabo. Yeah. Dabo Swinney at Clemson. Mm-hmm. That's worked out well for Clemson. I mean, I mean, as this all has unfolded, I do like the picture of Mickey, and I think Mickey could be a head coach at some point. I guess I have come around to – I don't know if this is the right place for him to start off as a head coach. I think – I'm not suggesting he couldn't do it, but I think there might be some – I mean, this is a hard place to manage. That's an understatement. Yeah, it's a hard place very, to manage. Very, very, very difficult. And think of the guys you're going against, too. I mean, just the guy you just went against, Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. Who's a, who's a, who led a team to a Super Bowl. Um, who's, who had previous head coaching experience at Stanford and very successful. And he's a CEO and a great head coach. I mean, Mickey for sure has the recruiting component. Um, I, I mean, Mickey managing games probably has a lot to learn, right? Of course. Mickey, but I, I don't think even if that in that note he hasn't been egregious in any sort. No, no, like you haven't been seen fine. you haven't seen bad clock management. Like, well, that was questionable. No, right? fine. I think he's been pretty solid. Pretty there. solid there. Unlike the the Broncos coach, who's been terrible. Right, you know, he, he's been a horrible first year head well, Mickey's coach. Mickey's sharp now. Mickey is sharp. Mickey he's sharp. Mickey does Mickey's not make sharp. mistakes now. Mickey's sharp. He's sharp, sharp, sharp. I just I think. I mean, would I be comfortable with Mickey as head coach? Yes, but I think you might be able to. I think you can do better right now. And I and I said it yesterday, and I mean it. My preference is somebody who's guided a big ship. All right, who's guided a big ship through treacherous water, treacherous waters. Rule fits that. Um, treacherous waters at Baylor. Okay, and he steered the big ship through it. 
right? He did. Uh, Bill O'Brien steered a big ship through treacherous waters. Lance Leipold steers a big ship through treacherous waters. Is that a terrible analogy? I'd say it's a really good one, actually. Um, those are the guys that right now I think you need. Urban Meyer. <laughs> Urban Meyer. Uh, a couple of texts coming in I want to read, and then we'll get to a phone Urban call. Meyer and Mickey Joseph, you couldn't like do much picture. better than that. I like that, that picture. Yeah. I don't I always think it's going to happen, but I love that picture. Uh, Kyle chimes in. He says, I am a local head coach, and what has impressed me the most about Mickey when I see kind of how we operate versus what he's doing, number one, he takes ownership, never points the finger, kids love him, elevated effort. Lots he needs to improve on, but the guy is no doubt a leader. Yeah, he's a leader. Like I said, if if he got the job, I wouldn't there's I wouldn't push back on it. Um, I'm just I think that right now this right now this place needs a, a an experienced hand. That's but what I but think. again, the, the one thing we don't know about Mickey that maybe it could be great. We don't. He has not hired a staff. No, right. he he all he did was elevate Bill Bush, and that's been a good move. Check. It's a check in the right box for Mickey Joseph. That was a good move to let go of Shenander and promote Bill Bush to coordinator. That was good. Mm-hmm. Who We don't know. what you know, Maybe you could bring Vance Joseph in, his oh, brother, who might yeah. get fired by the Cardinals when the I, staff I, gets yeah, whacked I think here. the ship has sailed, Jay. I'm just saying. I think the ship has sailed. From Rick on the text line, before we get to a call, Rick says, maybe we should talk about what Mickey with, with control would bring to the program. Culture, Big Ten run first style of play. OC fitting better for the Big Ten um, play and recruiting at the highest level. Okay, now th- now Mickey did it. Let me get down to my computer here. Um, he did, and he really had a good answer to a question yesterday about how you recruit, how he has adjusted, how, what he has seen in the Big Ten, and how you have to re- adjust your recruiting. I asked him the question, so what's different about roster configuration in the Big Ten th- compared to the SEC. And he said in the SEC, you have talent covering every inch of the field. But in the Big Ten, it's, it's fascinating to hear him say this stuff. In the SEC, they use every inch of the field. In the Big Ten, the game is played in the middle of the field. M- mainly. Not exclusively, but you know what he's saying. This is Mickey talking, not Sybil, but I totally agree with it. That he said the Big Ten bangs more in the middle. And he said they're hitting each. So he says you have to recruit more depth in the Big Ten. Instead of having 12 offensive linemen, you need 15, maybe 16. Um, Like in 16 defensive linemen, too, instead of 12. A dozen receivers, four quarterbacks. He said they're hitting each other in the Big Ten like bam, bam, bam. He said if I hit you like that three times, both of us are going to be sore. you got to have depth. I totally agree with him. Um. So what's he talking about? You got to recruit from the inside out. That's that's what preach you got to build. Preach from, it, brother. Yeah, that's what. That, that's how you got to build from the inside out in this league. I mean, in not all leagues do you do that, but in this league you do. Build from the inside out. Make sure you're fortified up front on both sides, and then and then also running back position. The running. I mean, look at Blake Corm the way he yeah. operates between the hashes. Do you do you think? Do you see what I'm saying? I, I do, but pause for a second. Do, do you okay? Think, now hold on. I don't want to pause because this is what drove me nuts about like you and others suggesting that, that Maurice Washington was the no, answer at running back. Well, I, that's you. I was pausing for this. What do you? 
Frost didn't it's understand. Ama- yeah, I was going to say, do, do you think that Riley and Frost just didn't get it? Well, yes. Frost it's, didn't. It's unbelievable. No, no, it's not. Um, well, Frost, I'm not saying that loosely because Frost admitted it, that he it took him a few years to years. adjust. Years. Yeah. It took him a few years to adjust. The issue with hiring Riley years. is you knew it was going to have to. I, Sean, I, of course, had to know it was going to be an adjustment. Now, Riley on the, did coach in the NFL, and that's why I thought with the Chargers. And I thought, okay, well, he's coaching the NFL, so he's got to know, like, you've got to be physical and you got to be able to run the ball. Um, but, and he, I don't, I think he knew that, but. That, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, if, This is about commitment. It's about right, commitment. The co- whether it's Mickey or somebody else. I mean, yeah, it is very obvious Nebraska has not been good enough in the trenches. They start, no, they're it not. starts there. It starts there. Inside out, like you said, it's got to be inside out. Fortify the trenches, and you will have a chance to make this thing good, you know, respectable as soon as next year if you get the right guys and the right coach to help develop them and strength coach. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to take forever. <laughs> Doesn't have to. No, I, I don't. Just mentioned Jim Moore Jr.'s got a, a bowl team for a team that was dead crap for seven years. Crap. I think it. I don't know. I'm not saying they're going to win the West next year, but I'm saying they could be a respectable football team that wins more than they lose quickly. We have a phone call. It's been patiently waiting. I'm not, I'm not sure what we have here. If you can hear me, you're in an early break. Go ahead. Who do we have? Yeah, this is Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Oh, Jeff, thanks for calling. Yeah, hey, um, so, yeah, I don't think we can really get a good evaluation of Mickey but besides what he's done to keep the team together and playing hard every week and all that stuff. But um, I have a broader question, and, like, it seems like this is overlooked a lot, and I want to see what you guys' real opinion is. Is I don't really think that – I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't really think that Scott Frost literally chose Mark Whipple, and I don't know – so the question I have is, who really chose Mark Whipple? Because really everything that since, you know, Casey Thompson got hurt and we don't have a backup quarterback that's able to play at a, a good level, that all is related to everything that Whipple's done. And, and everything they've done offensively is under Whipple's control. And, you know, even how they practice, the schemes they run, the the run offense that they've got installed. They couldn't really just, once once uh, Mickey took over, he couldn't just change the offense in the middle of the season. Right. And at that point, the offense was going well because Casey Thompson was the coach. I mean, Casey Thompson was running the offense, but then once he got hurt, the offense completely fell apart. And that all falls under Whipple. And then I don't, just don't think that Whipple and Frost, it doesn't seem like they were really ever a fit. And so I don't even believe that Frost had anything to do with bringing in Whipple. So yeah. that eventually doesn't that go on Trev that hired Whipple. So <laughs> I'm wondering what's your opinion on that. Okay, okay. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah, Jeff, it's good to hear from you. Jeff has been with us for a long time. Yes, long-time listener. Now, Jeff, I would tell you this, and I, and I don't say it lightly, Frost hired Whipple. Frost hired him. Trev did not make that hire. I can tell you, Jeff, because I covered all of that when Frost was changing staff, hiring Mickey Joseph, hiring Applewhite, hiring Donovan Rayola. 
that was frost, Jeff. It was frost. It was not. I'm not. You cannot put that on Trev. I'm, I'm not. I don't. I don't need to defend Trev. Um, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you unequivocally that Frost made these hires and was not pushed into anybody. Uh, I mean, he had to. He had to make staff changes, but he went out and hired these guys. Now, Mickey, could he have changed the offense? Now think about that. Think about it. He Bill changed the defense. After, Bill changed the defense after Chenander was gone. He didn't change. He didn't make wholesale changes, but he made some pretty significant tweaks. Well, but and they've been obvious, right? Yeah, you've seen it. Yeah, they well, they're not giving up long runs because they're in the right spots. Um, he he made some tweaks. Now Mickey could have made tweaks, but it's it's harder because there's someone in his way. There's yep. someone in yeah, his way. There is. There's someone in his way that has a lot more experience than him. Um. And it's making a lot of money. Um, you know, could Mickey have told what, – what could Mickey tell Whipple to do where Whipple's not going to push back? I mean, it seems like now – I think Whipple pushes back. Well, Again, I'm not and, – and I don't even know if I blame Whipple. what he's doing. Right. He's, I don't even know if I've done it for a very long time. Right. But all works – all we're suggesting here is that that situation is pretty complex right. when you're trying to judge Mickey. Exactly. Because it, are they doing what Mickey wants to do offensively? Probably, Probably not. not. Probably not. Probably not. I think he'd like to run the ball more. Well, he said he did. I mean, I don't think that. Mickey said that. I mean, he said we need to get comfortable with three and four yard runs. Yeah. And they, don't, they don't do that. They don't try enough. So, yeah, I don't know. It's unfortunate for Mickey, but he's not officially not the head coach, but it, it appears they're not going that direction. Yeah, I think that ship is sailed. It is sailed. Uh, more next on Early Break in the Ticket. <laughs>